Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. morning as you give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for leading us into God's presence this morning. You know, so often, I really feel like this should be said, so often we pray, Lord, come. And I feel like the Lord is up there saying, yeah, you come. So often we want him to come to us, but the truth is he already came. Jesus already came everything that he is ever going to need to do for us and it's important that we remember that we we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise we're to come to him if you want the presence of God it's not about him sending it down to us it's us going to where he is so remember that this week as you're going about your week like Lord help me come no he's like come to me Come to my presence, and worship is what takes us to where he is. And Imani's friend is calling me, or calling her right now. You should be in church, girl. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this morning, I mean, I feel speechless, to be honest, because I'm Pastor Jenny, by the way. Uh, My husband, Lionel, we are the associate pastors here at the Building Christian Fellowship, and we're so, I am so uh, honored and privileged to be up here this morning and get to speak with you. Pastor John and Kaya, thank you so much for um, giving me this honor and this privilege to minister this morning. Um, For those of you that don't know, if you haven't been on social media, some of you spiritual people that don't use social media, um, we are starting a new series this week that's going to go out, go on throughout the summer. Um, and we're so excited to spend the summer with you going through this series. But um, it's called The Gospel-Centered Life. I'll give it away first thing right out the bat. It's called The Gospel-Centered Life. And um, such an appropriate time to start this um, series, not just because it's the beginning of summer for most of us. And sometimes um, it's good to start off the summer with a little reminder that even though we're going to be taking vacations and we've got some time off of school, maybe some of us are taking time off of work or think, have plans to go and do fun things, that it's never an appropriate time to take time off or vacation from the Word of God. And um, this series, I pray, would be a good reminder to all of us how important it is to keep the gospel at the center of our lives, keeping Jesus first and foremost. Something I I like to say is that, you know, Jesus is not just an important part of our lives. Like we think we've got this like list of priorities in our life and Jesus is number one. No, Jesus is the list. Like Jesus isn't just an important part of the list. Like he's not just an important part of my life. He's not the most important part of my life. He is my life. And that's the, the thing that we want to get across as we go through this series this morning. But um, what an appropriate time as we are we're doing baptisms this morning. I was telling some of the leaders today before church that I, it reminded me as I was thinking about the fact that we're doing baptisms. Like it made me think back to when I got baptized and being a teenager And I think, like I was telling somebody, I think I got baptized twice that year because I just wanted to make sure that it took, like, you know, did it once. And then I was like, I got to make sure. But um, you get, you know, zealous when you're a teenager. I remember how fired up I was for the Lord. I hadn't even been serving him a year yet. And I just, um, I knew, I didn't really understand baptism fully necessarily at the time. I just knew that it was something um, that I wanted to do, a declaration that I wanted to make publicly to people. Um, a little bit about me, you know, I, I was 14 years old when I got saved. And I remember the day, it was March 5th, 1989. And those of you that are good at math can figure out how old I was or how old I am based on that. But I was 14 years old in 1989. I know, it's amazing. I can't believe I'm that old either. It's crazy. I look in the mirror and I'm just like, how can you be that old? It's amazing. Anyways, um, and I can think back of how I felt in that moment. 
And it can almost bring tears to my eyes. I think it's important sometimes that we remember. You know, if I was titling this series because I'm not, because we're doing this series uh, today from the Gospel Center Life book, some of the staff and the leaders took some time at the beginning of this year and did this study together. And we just thought it was really eye-opening and life-changing and a good reminder to all of us um, to keep Jesus in the center of everything. But even more so than that, we just thought that this being the summertime would be a great time and a great reminder for all of us together, even us again that have been through the study already of how important it is to keep Jesus in the center. And I think it's important that we remember one of the ways that it's easy to keep Jesus in the forefront and to keep him the most important thing in our lives and to keep him at the center of everything is to not forget. You know, the more time that goes on from an event, like I, I was thinking about it this morning. It was basically about two and a half, not quite two and a half months ago that I had surgery. And I remember when I came home about two months ago, from that surgery, how much pain I was in. Like pain I'd never experienced in my life. Um, I fully underestimated what recovery from surgery was going to feel like. And I remember that I, I couldn't even get out of bed without help. I had to, my husband literally had to lift me up every time I had to get out of bed. I could not sit up on my own. Could barely walk. But it's funny now that like two months, two and a half months have gone on and, you know, getting up isn't a problem anymore. I don't have, you know, I've healed to the point where I'm almost at 100%. It's funny how I'm having a hard time remembering. I remember that it was painful, but I don't really remember the pain. And I don't ever really honestly want to forget. And when it comes to even more so, I don't want to forget what Jesus has done in my life. I don't want it to become, I don't want to become numb to it where it doesn't still impact me. I remember this preacher. He, um, he was a really influential preacher in my life as a young person, and I remember he would do school assemblies, and every time he, I mean, I heard him share his testimony. <laughs> Literally probably in my lifetime, hundreds of times. But every time he told his testimony, like he practically broke down sobbing each time because he was reminded of how much Jesus had brought him from. And that's a little bit of what I want. If I, like I said, started to say a minute ago, if I could title this message this morning, I would title it, Don't Forget. But we're calling it the Gospel-Centered Life Part 1. Really creative. Um, but I would say the Gospel-Centered Life Part 1 is, is called Don't Forget. Don't Forget. Um, so we're going to get into this this morning. Last Friday was Imani, my daughter, her seven-year-old daughter's last day of school. She's officially a second grader now. Anybody got any elementary school students uh, in their homes? Anybody raising? Okay, yes. Anyone raising little ones? Like, they are definitely more excited about the summer than the parents probably are now, right? Because teachers, you're off duty. Parents, we are on duty. Okay. Yeah. And I hear the teachers uh, getting excited this morning. Yeah. So um, actually, I shouldn't say that because Imani was practically in tears because it was the last day of school. I mean, I love this age, like, because she's like, I love school and I love my teacher. So, you know, remember that teachers, like they really, you're making an impact on their lives. I love it. Um, I wish I had thought to take video of her because I know in just a few years, she's going to be acting the opposite. She's going to be having a party on the last day of school or on the first day of school, she's going to be crying because she's got to go back to school. But, um, it was her last day of school. So that, that means it's the official start of summer at this point, right? Parents were on duty. Um, how many of you are planning a vacation this summer? Okay, yeah, I know. It's really expensive to take a vacation right now. Like, inflation is ridiculous. Like, if you look at hotel rooms, they're, like, twice what they were a year ago. And don't even try to rent a car because, like, it's expensive. But 
Hopefully you're taking some time off to at least just relax and enjoy yourself this summer. It's really important. I'm a big advocate for like taking time off. Like I think it's really important for our mental health. We do all the kinds of things that we need to do to stay physically healthy, but it's one of the best things you can do for your family, even if it's just a staycation, like spend some time with your family. But listen, don't take a vacation, like I said a minute ago, from the things of God. Don't take a, like, yes, you can miss church and take a vacation and that's okay, but let's not get so relaxed that we forget about our generosity, that we forget to come to church, that we forget to bear one another, one another's burdens, like it says in Galatians chapter six, like we still are on duty, right? All we need to do, it's just taking a different perspective, okay? So like, I realize, you know, when the school year is going or those of us that have a a set routine, sometimes the summer comes up and it interrupts our set routine and then we get off track in some things in our lives. But man, we got to be intentional about keeping our lives centered around the gospel and not taking too much vacation time from the things of God. When we go on vacation, if we go to a resort or we go to an amusement park or we go to something, we take Jesus with us. Like, we don't leave him at home and go have our vacation, and then when we come back home, like, okay, Jesus, we're back. You know, I do that with my dog, but I don't do that with Jesus, okay? I take him with me wherever I go. So this series, we believe, is coming at just the right time. We can't wait to spend the summer with you. You're going to hear different, one, different pastors coming up throughout the summer preaching about the gospel-centered life. If you want to go check it out online, anywhere books are sold, you can get the book. You can follow along with us. I'm telling you, the chapters are only like two pages long, okay? So this is, this is a great summer read. If you don't have a lot of time because you got the kids at home, like just get it out, wake up five, ten minutes before the kids do, and you can read a chapter, going to be a great summary, guys. So if we're going to talk about the gospel-centered life, I think it's probably important that we truly understand what we mean when we say gospel. Like, it's a word we've heard all the time, right? Like, if you've been in church for any amount of time, we've heard the word gospel used. And just simply put, the gospel is the teaching or the revelation of Christ, That's all it means. It's just the teaching, the revelation of Christ. And if we could think of the gospel as like a story, and I'm not talking about like a story, a made-up story this morning. We're talking about a story of history, of real facts. Like the best stories that I like to read or movies that I watch are about real people. And this is a real story this morning. We can break it down into four parts, okay? You hang, you with me this morning? Everybody, did we get buckled in today? Okay, we're ready. We got, we're sitting on the edge of our seat. We're ready for the word of God today. The first part of the story, or we'll call it chapter one, is creation. Everybody remembers that this book, this story, starts with God. It doesn't start with us, Right? It wasn't even about us in the beginning. It was about him. And he makes this perfect world, right? And he creates man in his image. But we're also human. We're created in the image of God, but we're also human. We're created beings and we're dependent upon our creator, right? We were created to worship. We were created to love. We were created to enjoy God and to serve him and not ourselves. And then we get to the next part. We're going to go through the chapters real quick. Was the fall. And this is when man decided that they knew better than God. Right? Made the mistake. We we all know the story of Adam and Eve. And we turn away from God and we turn to sinful rebellion. And the world, this perfect world that he created now is in darkness and sin. And now as human beings, We're sinners by nature and by choice. And here's the thing that I want to point out this morning. Okay, we're going to do a little teaching this morning, but sin now has really two really serious consequences. Sin enslaves us. So when we turn to God and we turn to other things, what happens is that um, those things, they start to become our life and they start to become our identity, and we start to find our meaning in them and our happiness. And before we know it, these idols, these God substitutes, they start um, demanding of our time. 
demanding of our attention, demanding of our money, of our energy, of everything that we are, and we become slaves to sin. And then the second consequence to sin in our lives is that sin, sin brings condemnation. So now we're not just enslaved, we're not just slaves to sin, but now we're guilty because of sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. We've all heard that scripture before. That's Romans 6.23. We're under a death sentence now because of sin. But praise God, that's not the last chapter, okay? We still got two more chapters. The third chapter or the third part of the story is redemption. This is all the gospel that we're describing, okay? And every good story has a hero, right? I mean, I love, I mean, my favorite probably genre of movies or books to read is anything about a hero, something that's inspirational. But man, this is the hero of all heroes because he saves all of mankind. And Jesus, he's the hero of our story. And God sent Jesus in the world to, into the world to be our savior, okay? John 4, 14, it says, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world. He was fully man, and fully God. He lived a flesh and blood life and he died a brutal death, right? The, the man part of Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience to God, making him the only person to ever exist who didn't deserve judgment. And yet he took all the judgment for all of us upon himself. And not only did he die, here's the great part of the story, right? But he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he conquered sin. He conquered the power of sin. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now the story continues. And this is the part that's really exciting because this is the part that's going to include all of us. So we need to listen and pay attention this morning. Look at your neighbor and tell them, look, you need to pay attention. Okay? Yes. Especially if it's your husband and your wife, tell them, you need to pay attention. Okay, the, the fourth chapter is the, all about the church. It's all about his new people. And how do we become part of the story? That's really easy. We trust in Jesus, we confess our sin, and we receive his forgiveness, and we rest completely in Jesus for acceptance before God. It's really actually really simple. That's how we become a part of the story. To believe the gospel means we give ourselves wholeheartedly to Jesus, meaning wholeheartedly, meaning every part of us is given to Jesus. And when we do that, we're released from sin's condemnation. We're no longer guilty. And we're released from the bondage of sin. We're no longer slaves, no longer guilty, no longer slaves. And that's the wonderful part of the gospel. And it's not just a story from the Bible that doesn't have anything to do with us today. No, we are a part of this continuing story. I loved it when we were watching. How many of you were here last week when we celebrated 13 years at the Building Christian Fellowship? Amen. I loved the... The video was amazing, JR. We didn't get to tell you in staff meeting because you weren't there. It was absolutely amazing. Every, every time JR does a video, I say it's, it's his best one he's ever done. Like every time. Oh, yep, no, that's the best one. That's the best one. But it really was, um, and it was really great to get to have our pastors to be here and share in that moment with us since they can't physically be here right now. And I, one of the things that really stuck out, and it was like the main theme of the, the video, was that our story is his story. He didn't know he was setting up my message for this week by saying that, but that's it. Like, his story is our story. We're part of this gospel story that continues on. So here's the thing, though. We talk about the gospel, but we don't always apply it to every area of our life. Like, we know the gospel is part of our church life, right? Like, we know it's part of, you know, we know we should pray, and it's part of that. But, like, are we applying the gospel to when we go to our jobs, what does that look like? Are we applying the gospel to our parenting with our kids? What does that look like? Are we applying the gospel to, um, like I said, when we take a vacation or a trip, how are we bringing him with us? What does that look like? Like, I know what it looks like when I come to church, but like, 
actually walking it out and applying it to every single area of my life, literally to the point of like when I go to the grocery store or when I go to sleep at night. Like I said before, he's not just an important part of our life. Like Jesus, he is our life. And I mean, in Romans chapter 12, it talks about how like it's just our reasonable service to serve him and to incorporate and give him our, like we literally gave him our lives. We, do, we turned our hearts over to him. That means my future plans, they're his. That means I consult him about what college I'm going to go to. It means I consult him about um, what house I'm going to buy or uh, what job I'm going to take. I consult him about everything. He should be involved in everything that we do. He wants this for us. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, it says this. And why I didn't wear my glasses, I don't know. But we give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. That's a big key right there. As it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. Paul, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the Colossian church. Because the gospel, he's commending them. Because they've been bearing fruit and growing among them since the day they heard the gospel. The evidence that we're applying the gospel to our life is that we'll be bearing fruit. Is that we're, it means that we're constantly growing. I mean, we have a statement that we say all the time around here. Here we grow. Here we grow. It doesn't mean like, here we go, we're getting started. No, here we grow. Here we grow. Here we're bearing fruit. Here, wherever we go, we're bearing the fruits of the Spirit. We're constantly changing, constantly transforming because we're applying the gospel to our every area of our lives. The Apostle Peter, he teaches us that a lack of ongoing transfer, transformation in our lives comes from forgetting what God's done for us in the gospel. We're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read a few um, verses here. So hang on. We're reading it out of the NLT. So it's a little bit, breaks it down just a little bit more. It says, starting with verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, meaning we can apply the gospel to every area of our lives. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Hmm. In verse 5, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fall to or fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. And here it is, forgetting. Don't forget, remember? Don't forget forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. That's why I wanted to title this this morning, Don't Forget. Usually the main reason that we fail to apply the gospel to every area of our life, Peter's telling us, is because we forget about what he's done for us. And, okay, we are a forgetful people. We really are. There's a reason why Jesus had to... What he said to his disciples over and over again, and again I say unto you. There's a reason why um, in the book of Psalms, you can read it over and over again. He's repeating, bless the Lord. He's repeating the same phrases over and over and over again. The same theme. You see it over, themes you see over and over in the word of God. There's a reason why it's repetitive. 
There's a reason why um, you repeat certain things to your children over and over and over again because they're forgetful little people. And the thing is, if we're really honest, forgetting isn't really something we can do. It's really just, it's more of choosing to forget. Do you know what I mean? Because the reality is our brains weren't created to forget things. Yeah, I mean, we can forget things here and there, but the things that we've heard repeated to us over and over and over again, at some point, it's not really forgetting, it's choosing not to think about it. And sometimes it's just as easy, it's just simply the fact that we're distracted, because life can get heavy sometimes. Life can get very hard sometimes. You heard uh, Pastor JR up here a few weeks ago with all the things that were hitting him all at the same time. We all can relate. We say things like, well, when it rains, it pours. And sometimes it's easy for us to be distracted by what we see right in front of us. It gets bigger and louder because it's right in front of us. We're feeling it because it's hitting us literally in our emotions and in our hearts. And if we're not careful, we can make those things, we can turn our attention from remembering what God has done in the past, and we start transitioning our attention to what's happening to us right now, and we start to forget. We were created to worship him. We were created to enjoy him. We were created to serve him. We were not created for ourselves. You know, there's this common theme out there that, like, life is all about being happy, and while God wants you to be happy, that's not his biggest concern. And as long as we live in a broken and fallen world, we're never going to be happy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I always say when, when tragedy hits or difficult times come, it's like, what do people do that don't know the Lord? Because I think, like, what would I do if I didn't have him? And so we've got to remember, if we're going to grow in our maturity I don't know if that's anybody else's desire. I want to grow in maturity with the Lord, like in the gospel, like really see him like we prayed this morning, see him for who he really is. Like I really want to understand. We've got to, to grow in our maturity in Christ. We've got to deepen our understanding of the gospel. That's how important it is. It's the gospel that God uses as our means for tr personal transformation. And it's, what he uses to transform us as a church. We've been talking about this since the beginning of this year, I want to say, about how important it is that we're not just growing in, that we're not just growing as a church, but that we're growing individually. And as we grow as individuals, we're going to grow as a church. And we're not talking about numbers. We're talking about immaturity. We often just think of the gospel as the story of how we get saved. And that's where it ends. We look at it like it's the door. It's the entrance point into the kingdom of God, and it is, but it's so much more. Listen, listen. If you're going to listen to anything, listen this morning. It's not just the door, but the path that we walk on in our everyday lives. It isn't just the means of our salvation. It's the means of our transformation. It isn't just deliverance from sin's penalty, but the release of sin's power in our lives. That's what the gospel is. It isn't just what makes us right with God, but it's also what frees us to enjoy God. It's not just justification, it's sanctification. It's not just the door, like the gospel continues. The story is still being written. We are walking it out. We are still right. I mean, how, what an honor that is to be a part of the story, to be a part of this word of God. What an honor, what a privilege it is. So we can't forget. We can't forget. I think about, I wasn't sure how to tie this into the message, but I, I feel like a point needs to be made. I, I, I was thinking about when I first got saved, just re, doing, doing my best to not just walk this, or not just talk this out, but to walk it out. So I was thinking myself back to when I got saved at 14 years old, and the first thing I did in church in serving was to serve in the children's ministry. 
And if you're not aware, all the parents in the room are aware, we have a shortage of teachers and volunteers in the children's ministry right now. And I just feel in my heart that there are people in this room, people online watching today, you're hearing the sound of my voice this morning, and God's going to put a, a tug on your heart to get involved. I remember being 14 years old, scared to death of these kids, but someone pulled on me and asked me to be a part of the children's ministry, so it was the first time that I ever got up in front of any people and spoke. And I read from a piece of paper, like the paragraph that they gave me to read, and then I walked away. I was awful. Like, it was horrible. It, it was the worst. But do you think the kids cared? They really didn't. I mean, they didn't. They thought it was great. They saw a teenager up there, you know, trying to do something, telling them about Jesus, and they thought it was great. I knew it was awful. The, the, the children's pastor that had recruited me was probably second-guessing that recruitment, but... I got, the point is, is that I got better as time went on. And now I've stood up in front of people hundreds of times, and I share the gospel, and I share the good news. But it all started in children's ministry. And I'm not saying that if you get involved that you're going to become a preacher too. But there's a need in our church for children's workers. And you don't necessarily even have to be the teacher. You can just assist the teacher. You can just be the classroom helper, whatever the case might be. But man... If you want to get involved, I'm telling you, it was the best place to get started serving in the church. Maybe you've been thinking about, like, I know I need to get involved, but I don't really know what to do. The kids need you. They will love you. And I'm telling you, we, we had a huge children's ministry. Like, they sent the buses out to pick kids up in the neighborhood and bring them in. So I was standing, like, there was more kids in the room than there are of all of you. My first time I stood up in front and talked to people in front of people about Jesus we got, you saw them standing up here. I think there was like five or six kids um, up here this morning. That's, that's what we're talking about. So get involved, serve. That's another way. And you'll look back. You'll be like me and you'll look back like when I first got saved and I started serving in the church and I was working with the kids and wiping snotty noses and sharing Jesus. And I messed up all the time. I said, you know, the wrong words and said it the wrong way, but they corrected me. And, you know, and now I'm serving with the greeters, or now I'm serving in this area of ministry or that area of ministry. Get involved today. How do you do that? Go on the app. Go through Growth Track. If you haven't already, you'll have an opportunity to say, this is what I want to be involved in. Go out and see anybody at the Welcome Center, and they will help you. Go see any of the leaders here in the church, and they will help you get signed up today. Amen. That was my push for the children's ministry. Because and, and you don't have to be a parent to sign up for the children's ministry. Like I told you, I was 14 years old. I didn't have kids. I didn't know anything about kids. But I got involved. And listen, the parents are tired, okay? We're we tired. When we come to church on Sunday, we're still tired, okay? Like, we're tired every day. Uh, uh, does it change when they're, like, 18? Like, does it get better? Like, because we're tired. So maybe, like, some of you could take a shift, you know, for an hour two on a Sunday morning, like, and give the parents a break. I'm just saying, like, it would help us. We would appreciate it tremendously. Like, really, we would. We would. She's seven, you guys. I have an only child. She's seven years old. Like, the energy does not stop. Anybody else have a kid like that? Like, the energy just goes. She is the energizer bunny. She goes and, now, when she hits the bed at night, like, she sleeps. She sleeps hard, okay? So that's, I praise God for that. But all day long, she has energy, I need a break every now and then, you know, like Sunday is great. Anyway, is she back there right now? She's having fun. She was even trying to talk to me when they were out here during praise and worship. I'm like, I'm off mom duty right now, okay? Talk to your, to your teacher right now, okay? I'm just kidding, okay, all right, all right. So where was I? I don't even know. When we first give our lives to Jesus, okay, here we go. It's usually because we have suddenly become very aware of how big the gap is between God's holiness and our sinfulness, right? Like, this is, this is kind of like the, the, the basic information for the gospel. Like, when we come and we get saved, I don't know how. I mean, but with the Holy Spirit's help, there is this sudden awareness of how much I need God because he is so holy 
and I am so sinful. And then we ask Jesus to come into our lives, and he provides the bridge. He bridges that gap between my sinfulness and his holiness. And here's the thing. As I begin to grow and mature in my Christian life, I often become more and more aware of how holy God is and how sinful I am. And it's not because I'm becoming more sinful, and it's not because God is becoming more holy, It's just that as I get to know him more, I begin to see him more for who he really is. And as I get to know him more, I start seeing myself for who I really am. So as I'm coming to church on Sundays, I'm serving on the dream team somewhere, maybe in the children's ministry or as a greeter or on the safety team or in the worship team, on the media, in the sound, whatever the case might be. As I'm around the things of God more, as I'm doing my studies at home, reading my Bible more, Holy Spirit's conviction, I become more and more aware of it. And I become more and more aware of my shortcomings. It's like, okay, I thought I was doing good. I'm doing all the right things. But all of a sudden, I'm aware of like how unholy I really am. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight through nine, it says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We start seeing that we're not as much like God as we thought we were. He's very different. He thinks very differently than we do. I've I've been programmed by this world for this many years and I'm starting to realize as I get to know him that it's like, okay, he doesn't think anything like the world thinks. And then I start seeing myself for who I really am. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10. This is a good one for us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. This is who I am at the very core of me. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. You know, I lived my my life initially as a Christian thinking that I was a pretty good person. Thought I was doing pretty good. Like, you know, like I said, I got saved at a young age. So the Lord saved me from um, a lot of different roads and paths that I could have gone down. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm, and, and I started to realize as I started hanging around the things of God, going to things like growth groups, small groups, you know, participating and serving and being around other Christians and reading the word for myself to learn it on my own, I started realizing and recognizing and becoming more and more aware of just how broken I was. Like there was a limit, like the moment I got saved, I, I knew, I, I came to church three times before I, re, before I made a decision for Christ. I sat in the building and I listened and I knew there was something real about what this preacher was preaching, but I wasn't ready to raise my hand and give my life to the Lord until the third, third time that I came to church. And then I asked Jesus into my heart. And each time as I came and became aware more and more of how great God was, I started to also realize how broken an individual I was without him. Like I said, we were created. We are created beings dependent upon our creator. And I had lived all those 14 years up until that point, just to being able to depend on myself or the, or the people around me. And I had no real understanding of how insecure I really was until I found out about my creator and realized how much I need him. I thought I was a pretty good person. I did all the right things on the outside. But as I got to know him, I realized, oh, I'm pretty ugly on the inside. Like, it's not okay for me to have those, think those thoughts about that person. Even though I'm not necessarily doing, acting on it on the outside. On the outside, I'm all smiles and friendly and doing all the right things. But on the inside, there was rebellion. There was brokenness. And so to counteract our tendencies, because our tendency, right, is to minimize God or to minimize the gospel. And what I mean by that is that we minimize God's holiness or we elevate our own righteousness. That's how we minimize the gospel in our lives. 
And usually that's because we forget. We start, you know, we're really good at like leaning on our own understanding in life and doing our own thing. I've been making decisions about my life for this long, and sometimes I'm pretty good at it. So I'm just going to keep doing this, and then we forget that it's like, no, I gave, I gave it all to him. My life is not my own anymore. I gave it to him. And so we can minimize God's holiness. I mean, sometimes I was talking with Lionel in the car yesterday about the message. We were coming back from a family function, and um, he made a comment to me. Actually, we weren't before we were even talking about the message for today. He uh, made a comment to me. He's like, yeah, we're getting a little familiar with each other, aren't we? And I knew what he meant by that because I had snapped at him or said something maybe not in the nicest way that I could have said it, right? But I mean, because if you think, and when he says you're getting a little familiar with me, I'm getting a little comfortable, like I can just say whatever I want to say. Well, we've been married for over 10 years now. We, we're in the double digits, right? So we can just, you know, we are familiar with one another. We know each other really well. But it's funny, you know, when I thought, and I thought about what he said, and I thought about how when we were dating, I was very careful how I talked to him. When we were courting, like, I wanted him to see the best in me, right? I wanted him to, uh, and he was very careful with the, cho- the words he chose to use with me. But as you are around each other more and more, when we get too familiar, I mean, I, I started thinking about it in, my, in relating it to my relationship with the Lord. Like we can, we serve him for a few years or even decades and we start getting comfortable with our relationship with him. And we get real familiar to the point where like, <laughs> He won't care if I miss church today. I can just watch online. I know I'm supposed to serve in the children's ministry, but somebody else will cover for me. I'm getting familiar. You know what I mean? Because when I first got saved, it was like, I'm going to show up early, right? I'm going to make sure that the classroom's set up before the other teachers even get there. Like, what happened? We've started to minimize God's holiness. It's like, no, the same God that we were serving back then is the same God that we're serving today. He's still holy, He's still worthy of my very best, if not more than what I was giving him before. And the other ways we we minimize the gospel is by elevating our own righteousness. (laughs) Like, I'm okay. At least I'm not doing what that person's doing. Like, they come to church, but you saw what they were doing last weekend. You know, I'm, I'm good. It's okay if I show up late today. You know what I mean? I'm good. I'm good. We minimize the gospel. And so to counteract these tendencies, we've got to constantly be nourishing our minds with the truth. Romans 12, verse 2. This is the the verse everybody knows that's been in church. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We got to constantly be renewing our minds. It doesn't end when we reach a certain point. No, we're constantly living this out until the day that we get to heaven. John 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, and you are my disciples in you are my disciples indeed. I love that it says if you abide in my word. That means abide means to live. It doesn't mean to just study it here and there. No, I'm living in God's word. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Make you free. It's not like an instant freedom, it's a process of freedom. And the way we go through the process is by getting to know the word, constantly renewing our mind. We must constantly be reminded of the holy and righteous character of God and identify and admit and feel the depth of our brokenness and our sinfulness apart from him. We want to get away from this idea of that we do things because it's the Christian thing to do. I don't want my daughter to listen to me and do things that I instruct her to do just because mommy told her to. I want her to get to a place where it's a response of, I love my mom and I appreciate the things that she does for me. So when she asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Now it's a process. That's not going to happen overnight, but 
It's the same way with us as Christians. It's like, I don't want to just do things because I'm being told this is, this is what they told me to do at church, so I'm going to do it. Or this is what I see all the Christians doing so that I'm going to do it. No, we want to transition into a relationship with him that's like, okay, I'm going to do this because I'm so grateful. I'm going to serve him and be involved in church because I'm so grateful for what God did for me. I'm going to read my Bible and apply it to my life because I'm so grateful for all that he's done for me. And I want to get to know him better. I want to be in good relationship with him. I want to live a life constantly growing, constantly moving forward, building faith, hope, love, and a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we say that every Sunday. We want, here we like to focus on building your faith, building your hope, building your love, and building a real, relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't want you just to memorize the words. It's not just a catchy slogan. It's our lives. It's the gospel. It's living a gospel-centered life. It's not about I have to, but I get to. I want to because I'm grateful. In closing this morning, you know, our hope, it's, 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 it's not in our, our own good works. Like, my hope isn't that I'm going to get to heaven because I'm a good person. That's what it was before I came to know Jesus. I thought going to heaven meant that you were a good person. As long as you're a good person, make all the right choices, nothing bad will ever happen to you, and you get to go to heaven. And that was a very naive and limited way of living my life. Because I learned very harshly that just making good choices in your life does not guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Growing in the gospel means seeing more of God's holiness and more of my sin. But we don't have to be fearful when we recognize that. It means that we're going to see God for who he really is and we're going to admit how broken we really are. But we don't have to be afraid of that because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because we're no longer under the penalty of sin. Yes, I'm sinful. Yes, I have things that I'm still working on in my life and I always will until the day that Jesus comes back because I live in a broken and imperfect world and I am... I have a sin nature that I was created with. But listen, I'm no longer a slave to it and I'm no longer guilty because of it. And that's the thing. It's not really about being a good person or a bad person or making good choices or bad choices. It's really just about accepting and receiving the forgiveness on the cross. So our hope is not in our own good works and our hope isn't that God will somehow compromise his holiness and, or grade us on a curve so we can get into heaven. We're gonna simply rest in the fact that he is our redeemer, that Jesus has redeemed us. Remember we talked about the hero of the story? Jesus is the hero of the story. He rescued and he saved us all. So even if you sinned before you walked in the door this morning, or even if you sinned while you were in the church this morning, he's not going to strike you down with lightning because you lied in the church and all the funny things that we try to say to sort of minimize the seriousness of our mistakes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says this, but of him... You are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You have been redeemed. You are redeemed if you've asked Jesus to come into your heart. If you've given your heart wholly over to him. If you're walking in here this morning and you forgot how much Jesus has done for you. It's okay. Just remember. And just make the decision not to forget again. He is a great forgiver. 
I was thinking about it, you know, um, and this became more real to me than ever when we adopted our daughter four years ago, four and a half years ago. You know, when we first encounter the gospel and we enter through the door, at the moment when we ask him into our hearts and we receive his forgiveness and we acknowledge him as Lord now of our lives, The greatest thing that he does for us in that moment, so many people are like, the greatest thing is forgiveness. We received forgiveness. And yes, that is, I don't even have the words to describe how amazing that is, that we receive his forgiveness. But to me, the greatest thing that he did for us in that moment was that he placed us into a family. Everybody needs a family. That's where we find our identity, being placed into a family. And when I watched Imani be placed into our family, before that, she lived from house to house. For the first three years of her life, she didn't have an identity. She didn't have any security. She knew her name was Imani, but she didn't know her middle name. She didn't know what her last name was. She didn't, she called a couple different people mommy. She didn't know where she belonged. And then all of a sudden, she's placed into a family and when she first came around people, she was shy. I know, it's hard to imagine because those of you that know her now, she is anything but shy. And we watched her blossom when she discovered that she's a Davis girl. She's part of the Davis family. And in fact, that's one of the things that we really try to instill in her. Like the other day, we had a conversation about why we don't say bad words because she said a bad word. And she said the bad one, you guys. Like, I'm like, where did she hear that? And then she told me she heard it at the park with other older kids running around. And I've heard it too. And we had conversation. I said, we're the Davis girls. We don't talk like that. And she instantly was like, yeah, I'm a Davis girl. And it was funny when we talked about it again. It, the subject came up a couple days later. And she's like, I know that we're the Davis girls. And we don't say that kind of stuff. We don't talk like that identity. Like, you weren't just forgiven. You were placed into a family. I mean, it's, do you know when you adopt a child, Sean and Keisha, you get ready because like, when you get that birth certificate handed to you and it says, Monty's birthday is March 13th, 2015. It says on that birth certificate that on March 13th, 2015, that Virginia Wolf Davis and Lionel Dwayne Davis were at Mercy San Juan Hospital in Sacramento, California at such and such time. I wasn't there. He wasn't there when she was born, but no one will ever know that anybody, that she ever belonged to any other family but to ours. And that's what it's like when we come into the family of God. You aren't just, you know, I hate it now when I hear people make the jokes, siblings joking with each other, ha, 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 well, mom and dad treated you like that because you're adopted. If you were adopted, that's like, I'm sorry, but like, that's even better. You were chosen. Like, I'm sorry, those of you that, those of us that weren't adopted, we just got put in the family that we were put into, but we got to pick her out and chose her to be ours. And God chose you to be his. And that is the gospel. That is the power of God unto salvation. That is what the gospel is. It places us into a family permanently as if you always were meant to be in that family. Will you stand to your feet this morning? I went a little longer. I was like, I promise I'm not going to take very long. This chapter was only two pages long. I don't know how I'm going to make a message out of it, but man... God is so good. God is so good. I have seen him for who he really is. I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord, he is good. 
I know a lot of bad things happen to us in our lives because we live in a broken and imperfect world and we're not safe unless we're in him. He is good. I don't know if Pastor John and Kaya are listening or watching right now, but he is good. He is good. I've tasted, you've tasted, you've seen the goodness of the Lord. And he won't just stop being good now. He's going to keep on getting better and keep on getting better. As the preacher used to say, keep on getting gooder. I know it's not proper English, but I feel like it's appropriate. He's such a good God. And that is the gospel. And I don't know about you, but I want to learn and know how to apply it in every way, in every area of my life. I want to be a good example for him. There's a lot of people going through difficulties in this season. And those of us that are feeling strong and feeling good, it's time to bear up somebody else's burdens and not just celebrate the moment that it's like, oh, things are going pretty good in my life. I'm happy. That's wonderful. We're rejoicing with you. Now take a moment to cry with those that are crying and bear up someone else's burden because listen, he didn't bring you through what he brought you through just for yourself, for your own good. He brought you through that so you could help somebody else. I'm going all over the place this morning. I've gone rogue. Oh my gosh. He's so good, and I want to give the opportunity this morning to anybody. Listen, those of us that have been serving the Lord and we've heard this message, let's take it, let's put it in our hearts, and let's, let's walk by faith, meaning that we're not just going to be hearers of God's word, but we're going to be doers of God's word. If you want to not forget, don't forget, listen to the podcast, okay? Listen to, do whatever you got to do to get the truth of God in you. Read the word. I mean, it's, there's so much available to us at this time. In this day and age that we're living in, don't use the, the, the internet for all the social media stuff and get wrapped up in that. Man, get, turn on the preachers. Turn on the, word, the podcast. You know, get your Bible out. Read, read the scriptures in different versions and not just, you know, one version that you're used to. Like, like study the word of God. There's so many tools that are available to us. Don't take the summer off. Don't take a vacation from the things of God. But let's apply these things to our lives. Amen. Let's live, make the choice that we're going to live a gospel-centered life. I'm looking forward to the weeks that are coming up and hearing the rest of this. This was really just a basic introduction to this. But I want to talk to those of you this morning that maybe you're hearing about the gospel for the first time, or maybe you've heard it several times, but you've never heard it said like this. And you want to become a part of God's family. It's very simple. All you got to do is raise your hand and we're going to pray with you this morning. And you got to pray it from your heart and you got to mean it. It's not just repeating words that someone else is saying. If there's anybody in this room, you'd like to walk through the door of the gospel. You'd like to take the first step into the kingdom of God this morning. If you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your heart and start walking out the gospel in your life, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody in the room? Listen, everybody else in this room has done this walk before. So there's nothing to be embarrassed about, nothing to be shy about this morning. If you'd like to ask Jesus into your heart, if there's anybody like that, you need to start a relationship, would you just raise your hand this morning? Thank you, Lord. All right. I'll do a Pastor Donald going once, going twice. Praise God. So it sounds like we've all been accepted into this family of God. I just would love to pray with you before we leave out this morning. Remember, don't leave this place without signing up for a growth group if you haven't already. Get your phones out. If you're having trouble trying to figure out which growth group would be good for you to be involved in, go see us at the Welcome Center. If it's your first time here this morning, we want to meet you at the Welcome Center. We want to give you a gift 
online. Make sure you uh, type into the chat online. We're going to make sure a gift gets to you. Thank you for joining us this morning. I would love to pray for you, and then you'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you this morning for this day, God. Thank you so much for your word, God. It is life-changing and transformational, God. Just as we said, God, pray that you help us, Lord. We make this commitment to you this morning, God, that we're going to leave here and be more than hearers only of your word, but God, be doers of your word. Help us, God, as this series continues to show us how to really walk this out, God, to live a life that's centered around your gospel. Jesus, you're not just an important part of our life, but you are our lives, Lord. We're so thankful, so thankful for your word today, God. I pray and ask that you bless every hearer of my voice here this morning, God. Bless them as they go about their week, God. Help us to... um, not just be concerned with our own lives, but God, to be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, God. Give us opportunities to minister. Give us opportunities to be light in dark places, God, and to shine your love in places, Lord, where they need it most. Thank you, God, for helping us to make an impact in your community. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have a great week and go with God. Hallelujah.